Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. As we begin to look ahead to conference championship weekend in the NFL, Alex Uplinger joining me as he has on our weekly pickums at Alex underscore up seven for his personal account. And he manages our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex, always good to have you aboard. Just three more football games left, and I suppose in a normal season we might be all gloom and doom and disappointed and down, and maybe there's still some of those feelings, but we got here, and here we are, Conference Championship Sunday. I think that is obviously an accomplishment in and of itself this year. <laughs> Absolutely. It's incredible that we didn't have any postponements in the NFL. It's really Never, a- needed, well, never needed a Week 18, and I mean, yeah. let's be honest, like, we had a couple Tuesday nighters, and we had a Wednesday game with your Steelers playing, but, I mean, even those, I feel like, were few and far between. Like, given the expectations, like, we had a lot more normal weeks of, you know, Sunday games and then Monday, Thursday primetime than I feel like a lot of people would have expected. Yeah, I'm honestly kind of surprised. And how fun were those weekday games? They aren't ideal for the teams, obviously. We saw some teams struggle in the midweek, but... That was a lot of fun for us viewers. Yeah, no, 
Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, it does make me wonder if they'll regularly schedule uh, some, you know, Tuesday nights. I don't know. Maybe I'm, stri- well, I'm reaching a little. But why not, right? <laughs> why not? Uh, people watch the NFL every single night of the week if they could. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> we We had that this year. So if you're looking for positives, we had an NFL game for the first time this season on every day of the week because we had that Christmas game between New Orleans and Minnesota on a Friday. It was the first time ever. Yeah, that's right. So I want to before we talk about the two games. Obviously, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers, and then the Buffalo Bills making the trip to Kansas City to play the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC title game. Something that we discussed, Alex, and this will be a little bit more of just the you know food for thought kind of shoot the breeze, pick each other's brains type discussion. Obviously, there's four teams left, and uh, you'll start to hear more about house liabilities on futures tickets and Super Bowl plays and things like that. And one, the thing that jumped to me right away was, oh my gosh, in the NFC, there was a lot of buzz around Tampa for obvious reasons with Brady joining the fold down there in Florida. And then in the AFC, obviously, of the defending champion Super Bowl Chiefs, or you know whoever wins the Super Bowl the year prior, is always going to be a big public play. Public play, excuse me, on the futures tickets to win it again. So, uh, you know, if you are somebody out there, and, and even you, Alex, thought that you think that Green Bay, the, the futures tickets on them, uh, might be comparable to Tampa. So, uh, I'm curious. First off, are you in this boat? I mean, maybe even uh, Buffalo. I think you had an Allen MVP ticket. You know, so. Take me through, you know, if you have anybody live here and whether you do or don't, you know, how do you look to play it now that you're live with uh, Conference Championship Weekend upon us? Yeah, I actually do have two future tickets still in play, surprisingly. I'm holding a Tampa Bay Bucks to win the NFC. That was 25-1. to 1. That was before the season started. I actually took that way earlier before the Brady news. I, I don't know. I just – I really like the defense. I thought they were a competent quarterback away from being competitive and definitely make the playoffs. So, at that point, just roll the dice. And then I also have uh, Bills plus 900. I took that in week 17. So, I was looking at my options. I Early on, I took some Green Bay money line because I think they're going to win the game. I don't think Tampa's going to be able to get there. Um so I took that, but then I was also looking. I could get an exact Chiefs-Packers at plus money instead of hedging both money lines. So I was thinking that's probably my best option. What do you think? How would you handle those two? So you're saying you're looking to take the Chiefs on the money line as well, but they're the favorite. So, so I can get those exact – Matchups, Super Bowl matchups. Oh, I could get oh, Chiefs Packers at plus one fifty, I think, right now on FanDuel. And your futures are Tampa and Buffalo, correct? Yeah. I, I think that's a smart way of doing it because I think, you know, when we play these futures, obviously we're getting these big plus prices, and uh, you know, while you can, as you mentioned, you can hedge out of the Tampa play by just playing the Green Bay money line. You know, I, I never like to let the juice kind of swallow me up a little. And if I can find a way to hedge where I can still get a plus price ticket in some capacity, because I think that's a smart way of looking at it. Because if that play 
misses that exact matchup of the Super Bowl, uh, Green Bay, Kansas City, then you're guaranteed to have a live Super Bowl uh, future. So I, I think that's probably the smart move. Yeah, I think so, too. Getting that plus price, it's just tough to to hedge. I, I don't love doing it, but I think guaranteeing a profit is probably the best option there. Yeah, and I mean, I, I guess futures tickets, and if you do, if you screw around and try and do those big parlays, like, I don't know, Alex, if you'll ever on an NFL Sunday to say, all right, here are my five or six favorite sides. I'm going to parlay them all and just, you know, see what happens. Uh, and if you get down, if you hit the first five legs of one of those kind of parlays and want to hedge there, I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, on a, on a straight bet or just week-to-week basis, like, you know, I am not about hedging. Like, I, I just don't think it's a wise investment. I'll go for middles a lot and, and try and hit stuff like that in-game. But I, I just on a bigger picture, like, you agree with me that, like, the futures and, and if you – just want to have some fun and take one of those big parlays like that's kind of where your best hedging opportunities lie yeah I can agree with that it really depends what you've put down and what you're comfortable with losing like if you have you know a five-team parlay and you put $25 down I I don't think I would necessarily hedge unless you have a right well sure yeah unless there's obviously some breaking news or something that really sways you off that last pick that you already had taken yeah, so I guess um, now on on the other hand, like let's look at it this way: like you happen to have uh, a live futures ticket in each conference with Tampa and Buffalo. Um, let's say you just have one, right? Is that where you're just looking at? You know, like uh, you know, if you have a Kansas City's futures, then I this is something I love to do. By the way, uh, I'll do this a lot in Week 17, and we talked about it a month ago when we were handicapping Week 17. If you have the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl then it's a slam dunk that you just take the Bills plus the three, and you obviously hope that Kansas City wins the game by one to three, and, you know, you're live on the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, then you hit both. They're yeah. favored again in the Super Bowl, and you can take Green Bay or Tampa plus points again. Right. Uh, I think plus that's money the move on if you have uh, Green Bay or Kansas City on the uh, futures tickets here. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I'd, I'd be curious to – to hear from any of our listeners, their futures and what they're planning on doing as well. Yeah, if you if you're holding the Chiefs, I think it's a no brainer. Try to hit that middle, and then you're going to get a plus price the next week, like you're saying on the money line, no matter who wins in the NFC. So then you can easily hedge out of a Super Bowl ticket. You're getting you're getting great plus money, and obviously the future was significantly higher depending when you got the Chiefs. So I think they were the the Super Bowl favorites, though, coming into the season, but you're still getting sizable plus money at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and that's the other thing, by the way. Like, we see this every year, and we're not at the Super Bowl yet, um, and, and I'm sure we'll do a big Super Bowl pod, but when you're taking these futures into consideration, especially now when we're down to just the one buy, like, we've seen the history of how important the, buy, the playoff buy is for the teams that make the Super Bowl. And I, I just think, especially early in the season, and, and I don't know, you know, Buffalo, I don't know what your thought process was on taking that one in Week 17. You can certainly explain. Uh, Tampa, you said you took at the beginning of the season, correct? Yeah, I did. I actually took it before Tom Brady even signed. My, oh, my, wow. 
Yeah. Little inside info there? No, that was just a dumb luck, just thinking, you know, they were really solid on defense and they had enough weapons and they were in a lot of games with Jameis throwing, you know, and equal touchdowns and picks. Knew it was going to be somebody else besides Jameis who you would hope could protect the football a little better. Yeah, exactly. It just happened to be Brady. But my point I was making was when you bet the Super Bowl in the beginning of the season, you really want to put an emphasis on if the teams can get that by. And here we are with Green Bay and Kansas City, two of the teams left, who both had the bye in the conference. I mean, it has just proven to be a monumental advantage. Not only do you get home field throughout, but, you know, I think everybody, you go through an NFL season, everybody could, would love that week off that you get at the end of the regular season, and now only two teams, one in each conference, have that luxury. Yeah, I think it's more important than ever to, to secure that bye. I, I think it's an interesting format. It makes the regular season that much more important. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I guess... The bottom line is, I think if you can find a hedging opportunity and you can, uh, you know, find an exact matchup play like you're talking about, Alex, where you can get, uh, you know, plus price on your hedge as well, uh, I think that's smart. Uh, and, you know, if you have uh, Green Bay or Kansas City on a futures ticket and they're favored, then, you know, if you want to take the Dogs, Tampa, or Buffalo plus points, I think that's really smart. You know, the point is here, like, you can get creative here, and there can be opportunities to hedge. And even if your, you know, hedge comes in, you know, you at the very least break even here. And you know, and if your hedge misses this weekend, then that means you're live going into the Super Bowl, and then you can look at hedging again because obviously, if you got the big price, you know, you can hedge for a unit or another unit, and you're probably winning. Nine ten units if if your futures ticket comes in. So um, I I think again the futures plays where you're sitting on a big price. I mean, gosh, I think awards can make some sense here too. Like if uh, I think obviously playoffs, you know, they're regular season awards. But I'll just go off in a little bit of a tangent here. I mean, Alex, think about the amount of, and he ended up winning anyway. But think about the amount of people that were holding like Joe Burrow Heisman tickets at like crazy prices last year. Oh, yeah, I saw some massive prices on that early in the season. What do you think about taking an MVP player prop before the Super Bowl actually happens? Right, because you know, I, like, I think some books think, are starting to hang those, right? Like, you yeah, can I've seen, the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, I've seen several. So maybe you, you think the Packers will win, so you take Devontae Adams right now before the Packers win. You'll get better odds, That's obviously. Beat the market. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah, I never really even considered that um, because I'll be honest, I don't normally look at the MVP market for the Super Bowl until we get to the Super Bowl. So uh, is that something you've dabbled with this week? No, but I was looking at it. I I saw some, I think I saw some 12 to ones on Devontae Adams and a couple other players. So I think, I mean, obviously the quarterback is, the biggest favorite. So those were the top, the top four odds, all four quarterbacks, but could get interesting. If you have Devonte Adams game and he has two touchdowns or something and hundred plus yards on 10. And, catches. And you know, I think as we're, we're going to get more into the games in a minute, but Alex, we've seen the Tampa Bay defense, right? That front seven is very 
formidable, and and they certainly got after New Orleans a lot last week. But it would, you know, it, you would think if Green Bay wins, then it's the secondary. We saw Mahomes and Tyreek Hill really light them up in that regular season game. The secondary is where Tampa's defense can be exposed, which would mean it could be a big game for Adams, which would also speak to your point about, you know, maybe looking at him as the Super Bowl MVP now. Yeah, exactly, because you're not going to get anywhere close to 12-1 to come Super Bowl Sunday. I'm sure he would be right behind. But on another Rogers. on another note, Alex, like, it just – and I don't – like, I, I might dabble with it and, and toss a little sprinkle on somebody, but I don't love the Super Bowl MVP market because it just seems like it's such heavily slanted to the quarterbacks where, like, even last year, right, like, the Niners for – two plus quarters, you know, maybe even three, like they were doing a good job on Mahomes. And I thought maybe Damian Williams, cause he busted the big run in the fourth quarter. Like he might win. Like Mahomes still won it last year and he did not light the world on fire in that game. No, I agree with you, but it's always fun to throw a couple of darts. I actually sure. hit on, on Von Miller one year. I, okay, right. That I don't... was the year that they beat Carolina, right? Yeah, I don't recall the price, but it had to have been something pretty wild to be a defender to get the MVP. Fair enough. So uh, I, I think just, again, uh, some you wanted to kick around some interesting hedging possibilities here. Let's go to the first game, and it's Tampa Bay traveling to Green Bay to take on the Packers. We're seeing Green Bay a juiced three. Uh, the Packers are laying at home. Total of 51 uh, and Alex, we're both going to lean to Green Bay here. I'll let you go first. Have you played the Packers yet? Yeah, I did. I played the Packers on the money line to to hedge that ticket. And I also I took it when it got down to three. I really like the three. Just there's very few tenets in gambling, and I think one of them is betting on Aaron Rodgers, especially at home. He's sixty two, thirty five, and four against the spread at home. And I'm really just thinking, I wouldn't call it quite a revenge spot, but he just he really wants to make up for that week six performance. That was easily his worst performance of the year. That was the only game of the season that he had zero touchdown passes. And they were out to a 10-0 lead. And then he throws that pick six. And then he throws another interception. They return almost to the end zone. And then... I mean, the game got out of hand there. They got outscored 38 unanswered, finishes 38-10. to 10. I just really like this Packers offense. They ran the ball so well last week on a really formidable Rams defense. So I was kind of surprising. They still put up 32 points, and that was a great game on the ground, too. They had 188 yards rushing. Saw Aaron Jones. He went for 99, and then... Jamal Williams went for 65 as well. I think that they'll be able to run the ball pretty well. My biggest concern here is Rodgers under pressure and the Bucks. They they really get after the quarterback. They had the second highest pressure rate in the NFL in the regular season behind the Steelers. And Rodgers, 45.3% completion percentage under pressure. That ranked 29th out of 42 qualifiers. So that's my biggest concern. If he can beat the pressure, they should have some real good opportunities down the field. I really like their passing attack. And I think they'll rush the ball well. I think they'll give 
opportunity here for Rodgers out of the play action. Really like Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. He can stretch the field. So can Scantling. Yeah, I think they, they have a really good opportunity to, to win and cover here. Yeah, I really like the Packers as well. And honestly, the more we talk about this, uh, I, I might make this a, a max play as opposed to Buffalo, who I was really liking early in the week, as you said. Uh, you talked about them being a little bit of a square dog. We'll get to the AFC game in a minute. But um, a lot of the things you mentioned, right, the Packers – you know, Lambeau in January, really, we talk about home fields, right? I mean, this seems to be, you You talked about the numbers with Rodgers and how well he's been, again, how well he's been doing against the spread at home. You know, and, and here that, you know, they played a California team last week at home. Now they have a Florida team coming up to Lambeau. Uh, I think it sets up well. Uh, and I know Brady played a ton of games in cold weather uh, in, in New England, obviously. But, you know, it is supposed to be, I look looked at the forecast, 86% chance of snow. So it does, you know, for the guys like Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, guys that played in down south or out west in college, now they're in Florida, you know, Mike Evans, same thing. Like, a lot of guys that haven't played in cold weather, uh, which I think matters. I mean, we know that Jared Goff now 0-3 in his career against the spread in temperatures below freezing. Uh, I I think that Lambeau in January, we talk about getting that bye and being the number one seed. It meant a world uh, of a help, I think, to Green Bay. Uh, and, like, listen, Rodgers is comfortable there. I mean, obviously, he has. He's played his whole career there. 32 points last week. You know, conditions just don't seem to phase him. And, yes, we did see Brady have some big games in bad weather in New England. But, again, rest of his teammates haven't played in these conditions nearly as much. Uh, and the thing that I'm having a hard time getting to the bottom of and why I'm ultimately not thinking it's a huge deal is putting a value on that game that these two teams played back in Tampa in October and, uh, you know, and Tampa absolutely obliterated the Packers. Because on one hand, I look at that and say, well, there's a lot of things that happened there that would bode well. You know, Tampa's probably got to try and replicate that as best they can here and have their defense really play well. And in a way, I know Brady was the big acquisition in the offseason, but if I'm Tampa, I'm saying, and, and I think this is kind of what they did last week against New Orleans, Brady only threw for 199 yards. And the defense ate up Breeze, and, you know, for the most part, you know, I mean, they forced four turnovers. I mean, you turn the ball over four times, it's going to be hard to win any game in the NFL. But I don't see Rodgers doing that, right? Like, I just don't trust, I, I mean, I, I, I should say I do trust the MVP to protect the football and, like, stuff came out later. I don't know if you saw this. Like, Breeze was playing with a torn rotator cuff. You always hear stuff when seasons end in all sports about, like, different guys having certain injuries, right? And we heard that about Breeze. I just think Breeze, obviously, at this stage in his career, was pretty limited. And, obviously, Rodgers is just the opposite. So, you know, I look at the uh, Packers as being the side here. Uh, and, 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 right, wouldn't it make sense, right, this whole season – has kind of been a revenge kind of year for Aaron Rodgers in a way, right? They draft Jordan Love and, you know, nitwits like me and you are talking about the Packers under win total. And, you know, <laughs> no, they're not going to miss the playoffs. And it was all a mirage last year. And Rodgers comes out and, as we say, he's the MVP. And, you know, little narrative, you know, kind of handicapping to a degree here. It just feels like if you're Rodgers, like, 
you've all, you've been on this revenge tour, so to speak, and I don't even want to say revenge tour because you still made the NFC Championship last year, but you've been out to prove all these people wrong all season. Doesn't it kind of feel right that you then blow the doors off the team that blew the doors off you in the regular season? Like, I, I'm going to be on the Packers here. And as far as the total, I lean to the under, but I'm probably not going to play it because, I, as I said, I do think if Tampa wants to have a chance here, they need to do a lot of the things they did last week where they defended really well and Brady, in a sense, I mean, they ran the ball 35 times last week. Like, Ronald Jones is back from that fluky injury against Washington. Like, they're going to have to run the ball a lot, I think, with Fournette and Jones. And I know they have A.B. and Mike Evans and Godwin, but I think if you're Tampa, you want to keep 12 on the sideline, you know, they're 12, and, uh, you know, try and use your ground attack to keep this game close. But the reason I don't think I'm going to play the under is, again, like I said, the the weather doesn't seem to phase Green Bay, and, and I think they could still hang 30-plus if Rodgers starts picking apart this Tampa defense, secondary particularly. So uh, all of it makes me think I like Green Bay. I will say for a prop, I do think Brady's passing yards under could be a good look uh, just because, as I said, with the receivers and some of the targets that he's had, you know, playing in cold weather for the first time, you know, or, or, or very limited experience in cold weather. And, and I said, as I said, I think that Tampa is going to want to commit to the ground game as we saw they did last year or last week, excuse me, in their road win against New Orleans. So if you're looking for some prop action, I think Brady's passing yards under might be a good move. Yeah, I was initially looking at the full game under as well. I'm just really not so worried because I want the Packers to win and cover, but yeah, I feel like they could hang a, a 30 spot, like you were saying. But I, I do think Tampa's going to want to run the ball and keep this close and pretty lean on the defense. But I was looking at uh, Aaron Rodgers over 2.5 touchdown passes. It's currently plus 127 is what I was seeing. I really think that this could be a shootout. I think Rodgers will really convert any sort of red zone opportunities that they have into touchdowns. and hopefully touchdown passes. 12 of his 16 games in the regular season, he had three or more touchdown passes. So I I like that plus money, three touchdown passes. I think they'll be moving the ball pretty well. You know, any of those receivers can really take the top off and could go for a deep touchdown. And I think he could easily get to two. So then you're just hoping for one more at plus money. I, I like that. Tampa's allowed 1.8 touchdown passes per game in the regular season. So I think he's definitely going to get to two, and then you just got to hope for one. Maybe someone breaks one, and then you got three at plus money. Last point for me on this game, Alex, and why, again, it just speaks more to my uh, like, you know, and Max probably is what it's going to end up being on the Green Bay side. Two Tampa play, two Tampa playoff wins, okay? Pretty unimpressive win on the road against Washington, right? I mean, Taylor Heineke had the ball back with a chance to tie that game down the eight. You know, and speaking of picking apart defenses, I mean, this guy's right off the bench and zinging the ball all over the field against that Tampa secondary. You know, so that's the and that's why that's why I I stay away from the under as well. They it took them playing the perfect game against the hobbled breeze to to really right. limit that Saints offense, and that's because they they turned yeah, them over. That's the thing, right? New Orleans turns the ball over four times and they still score twenty. So, you know, right. if 
you're not turning the ball over at all, then I'm thinking Green Bay could score 30 here. But, I mean, I guess you agree with me, though. If you had to play it, you'd probably still lean under? Yeah, I would. I would lean that way if I had to, but I'm not confident in playing that side. Right. Yeah, and I'm going to stay away from the total. But like I said, a pretty unconvincing win on the road for Tampa against Washington. And then last week, as we said, four turnovers for New Orleans. You'd think if any divisional round game, the turnover margin was plus four in either direction, like wouldn't you think it would be a blowout? Yeah, you think it'd be just uncompetitive at all. I mean, you see, I've seen this as a Steelers fan too many times. You see four turnovers and you can't even beat the Cincinnati Bengals. So you turn the ball over that many times, you can't really beat any team in the NFL. And and the Saints were still competitive and in that game. So that really speaks to the Tampa defense, who on paper is really statistically good, but they do give up points for sure. So let's take a break, and we'll move on and get to the AFC game on the other side. Listen, folks, the Super Bowl is coming up, and sure, we'll all be watching the game, but the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. And we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, the Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across all professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the team's professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which would match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And you can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive a... 50% off your annual subscription when you enter the promo code FULLSLATE. This offer won't last for long, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use the promo code FULLSLATE, that's all one word, to receive half off and start betting smarter today. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling presence. And we're back here on Full Slate a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast as we continue to look at Championship Sunday in the National Football League. Just kicked around a little bit of a futures discussion there as well as our handicaps on the NFC game. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my picks at Undercover Greg. Joined by our co-host and producer, Jack of all trades at Full Slate, Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. And he manages our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex, I have to ask you, before we get back to the NFL, we're sitting here on a Thursday night. I just went 3-0 and in college basketball with Jacksonville State, Cal, and Arizona State covering for me. Have you recovered from one of the most all-time bad beats? <laughs> Baylor, minus 8.5, Kansas kid, from just inside half court, banks it in, and 
Baylor minus eight and a half loses by the hook. I had Kansas, and I still felt bad for you. Honestly, I've I've thought about it every single day since. I, <laughs> I, I see anything Baylor related. I still see the highlight pops up randomly. I, I still think about it all the time. That was – that's not even a bad beat. There's nothing to describe that. <laughs> it, I mean – Did you see the reaction of the one guy on the sideline? Oh, that my God. The, the guy in the white hat, you know he had – you know oh, he had they were on the spread. No oh, one's that upset to win by eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to. If you're in attendance, you have to bet the home team. Yeah, especially in a big game like that. So, uh, gosh, no, uh, certainly looking forward to getting back to more. I mean, these these bench guys just getting the fucking game. That was like a senior walk-on. This is his time to shine. There's a reason. Like, you watch Bad Beats with Scott Van Pelt every Monday night. There's a reason it's all college games. Because when the walk-ons get on the field or get on the court, they want to play well. They want to score. If they're on defense, they want to stop them. And if there's a loose ball, the defense wants to pick it up and run it in. Like, they're not getting game checks, you know, whether they play or not. Like, that might be the only time they ever step on a Division One basketball court or football field. So that, was that, the that biggest creates shot a lot of nonsense in, the, in garbage time. Absolutely. It was, it was the biggest shot of that kid's career. The worst part about that Do you think game, the kid knows? Like, he, he has to know by now the magnitude of that shot, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm sure people were tagging him in that, and his buddies were texting him, like, nice shot. <laughs> the, the worst part is that Baylor dribbles out the ball to get a shot clock violation, and they keep the the game clocks running a little bit. They add time back on the game clock in a meaningless situation. They They never go back and look at that. So they give them 1.9 seconds, and the shot clock violation puts them at half court. So one pass and then one shot with that much time. And, of right. course, he makes it. I had the feeling, I had a feeling the entire time watching that. I, <laughs> I, I just knew. You do it enough. You yeah. just know what's coming, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll never well, recover. I'll think about that for the rest of my life. Looking back to doing more college basketball pods, me and Bill Christie at Larry's Locks 2 will have one out on Saturday morning. Um, but let's get back to the National Football League as we have the AFC game to handicap as well. And I'll be honest, I'm, you know, I know we got the same point spreads in both these games. Home team is laying three, but I am more intrigued. I don't know if you're, you know, you, you agree with me, but Alex, I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm more intrigued with this AFC game just from, you know, I know we're a gambling podcast, but if you put the gambling aside for a minute and just said, which game are you more in, excited by? I, I think the AFC game is definitely mine. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's just two future stars of the league, current stars, but two of the younger. You, you look at the NFC matchup, it's two of the older quarterbacks in the league, and then this AFC matchup is You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had – it kind of hit me a little this week, and it certainly will again when those two quarterbacks in the NFC championship game are gone. But Phillip Rivers, and it looks like Drew Brees, I mean, I think he's probably got to hang it up. So – if he does, like that's two more guys, and and you can debate away about Rivers and if he should be in the Hall of Fame or not. Like Breeze is definitely headed to Canton, but doesn't it kind of like hit you a little more when these guys go? Like Kobe a few years back in the NBA, like damn, I'm getting a little older. <laughs> yeah, it it genuinely makes me sad, like to see these guys that we saw drafted. Right. Yeah, we grew up. We saw these guys drafted and grew up with them, and 
the passing of the torch is underway. Ben Roethlisberger will probably be done after next year, but thankfully the Steelers just signed Dwayne Haskins. So oh, that's the, yeah. that's the future Super Bowl. You ever been? <laughs> I actually have. <laughs> I have been a couple times with my cousin there. They're not too shabby, so he'll he'll probably find his he'll way over there. Yeah, he'll find his way. I, I do wonder, like, I, I did see that, and I do wonder, like, obviously Tomlin did not hesitate to move on from Antonio Brown, and <laughs> I think it turned out all right for the Steelers. I, I wonder how short of a leash the it is for Haskins going there. Yeah, that's a great question. This is definitely a make or break. I think it's good for him to get in a structured organization where – He'll actually be given a chance to compete and perform. This season with Washington, new coach and no OTAs, really limited training. There wasn't really much of a competition there, so he was just handed the starting role. He'll actually have to work for a backup spot here. I mean, I like the idea of a project, learning under Ben for a year. And so who who's the odd man out? Is it Rudolph or Dobbs now? It's probably going to be Dobbs, unfortunately, just because Rudolph knows the system way more, even though he's, he'll never be a starting quarterback. I, so say, I, I would like to see Dobbs get a little bit more of a look, but I guess that's not in the cards. No, I completely agree. We saw flashes of Dobbs in that game against Cleveland. He could actually – was running the RPO pretty successfully. Yeah, and I was going to say, I feel like you Steelers fans have seen enough of Rudolph. Yeah, he's just a perennial backup, very mediocre, but – could potentially win you some games, and yeah, there's enough there. So let's move on and get back to the AFC Championship, and we are seeing Buffalo getting three on the road, a total in this game of 54, and I'll start. Listen, I understand, as you said, Alex, maybe some square dog element here, but I just think, and maybe this is why it's a square dog, uh, I think Buffalo is better than Kansas City right now, and uh, you're going to give me three points at a key number, I will sign up and place my wager because at the end of the day, this is something we talked about before we got on the air. And I know we are a gambling podcast, but I will bring this up even to people that don't bet because I think the spread is always an indicator of how your team is performing relative to expectations, right? Are you meeting them in a given game? That's what the spread says. And when you continually fail to cover spreads, eventually you're going to lose a game straight up. I mean, especially in the NFL, I think it's 80% of the time the winner of the game covers the spread. So either the dog wins outright or the favorite wins and covers. So what we're seeing from Kansas City is really monumental. They are 1-8 against the spread in their last nine games. And the only one that they lost was the Week 17 game against the Chargers where they sat everyone. So And they, they were a seven-point dog in that game, and they didn't cover either. But anyway... When you do this for as long as they have, is an indicator to me that you just probably peaked early. And it feels weird saying that about the team that won the Super Bowl last year. But here we are, and I did not bet the side last week. I lost going over the total. But the reason I wasn't going to bet the side was because I wasn't sure. I needed to see, and I thought we might, Kansas City, the starters had two weeks off because they had the bye and they didn't play in week 17. I thought, okay, maybe this is where they kick the car out of neutral, right? And and they start, you know, full speed ahead on another Super Bowl run. And that didn't happen. And I know Mahomes got hurt. But, you know, still kind of just kind of 
sitting in the right lane, you know, going five below the speed limit. Like, that's the, al- the analogy I'm getting with the Chiefs right now. And they haven't, by the way, that one game that they covered, I said one and nine against the spread last, or one and eight against the spread last nine. The one cover was because the game against New Orleans uh, at the end of the regular season in the Superdome, they closed the two and a half point favorite and won by three. So they covered by the hook. And I think a lot of people, myself included, got three on that game and pushed. So they just haven't been playing like a team that I think is primed to win the Super Bowl. Whereas Buffalo, on the other hand, they've been running through everyone at the end of the regular season. They survived this scare against Indy in the wild card round. And last week, that's the, I know that their offense didn't look great last week, but isn't that the exact win that Buffalo hasn't been able to get this year? Where all of a sudden they win a game where their offense doesn't play that well. And they win by two scores, you know, 17 to three. So now if you're telling me that the defense is starting to figure it out for Buffalo, then I absolutely think they're the better team here. And I'm going to get to a prop lean after I let you go. But the last thing on the side, I'm not believing a thing about Patrick Mahomes this week. I know he's practicing, but it really didn't look good. And we know the way concussions are in the regular season, even if you just play fantasy, right? Your guy gets a concussion, and it can be a multi-week absence, right? Because it's not always a linear progression, meaning, okay, you had a good day Wednesday. That doesn't mean you're going to have a good day Thursday, and it doesn't mean you're going to have a good day Friday. So I'm not believing that Patrick Mahomes is 100% until I see it. And, you know, if you're telling me that, and this correlates back to my point about Buffalo's defense, if they're starting to figure some things out, and they're able to hit Mahomes a little more than we would expect and he's not 100% and they can keep him under wraps I have to think Buffalo's the side here getting a field goal again as you said square dog but I'm on it Buffalo plus the three I think they went out right I completely agree I'm with you on Buffalo plus three I'd sprinkle a little on the money line this is the hottest team left in the playoffs they're 9-1 and one against the spread in their last 10 and like you were saying, the Chiefs, they just they can't seem to cover. They're still winning all these games, obviously. They're still in it. But the defense is really surprising. I was looking at weighted DVOA, and the Bills' defense is 8th, and the Chiefs' defense is 22nd. That's really their Achilles heel. I think that will be their downfall. They're just not strong enough on defense. They're not getting that same pass rush as they were last season, which really helped to elevate their defense. Also, looking at the practice today, Rashad Breland, he was limited. Le'Veon Bell was limited. Sammy Watkins was limited. I think Breland being the most concerning there because this secondary isn't that strong. The Chiefs also, they they really struggle against a run. During the regular season, they gave up 121.5 rushing yards per game, which was 19th. I think a good prop to look at is Devin Singletary. Over 40.5 rushing yards. I'm seeing that at minus minus 114 right now. The Chiefs in the regular season, they allowed 18 running backs to have 41 rushing yards or more. I I think that the Bills, they could really lean on that ground game, knowing that the Chiefs can't really stop it that well. So I think Singletary over is a good look. Yeah, I really like the Bills plus three here. Chiefs defense just, they leave a lot to be desired. And this Bills offense, they're really strong. They can beat you through the air very convincingly. 
you see Diggs. I mean, he's arguably the best receiver in the NFL. I think that addition really put them over the edge. And also just the impact of Allen from last season to this season. He's not turning the ball over nearly as much and just looks way more accurate than he is. My concern here is Gabriel Davis. He didn't practice today, and then Cole Beasley was limited. Davis in that Indianapolis game had some great catches on the sideline there, especially in the first half. Really helped them drive the field and ultimately score. So I would keep an eye on that. that that's one of my concerns. But, yeah, I like the Bills here. I think they're the better team. They're the better team weighted DVOA as well overall. Yeah, I think the Bills could definitely win out right here. I like that a lot. Yeah, and I, and I think I'm probably just going to stick to the three because it is a key number. Uh, but, I, you know, if you want to sprinkle the money line, I'm obviously not going to argue with that. One prop that I like, though, you talked about Devin Singletary over rushing yards. It's not out yet because we got to make sure he plays, but I'm probably going to be looking to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire over his rushing yards number because he is expected to return. You didn't mention him in the injuries, uh, in the injury report you went on, but – I think this all goes back to what I'm saying. And, you know, you didn't mention a lot about your feelings towards Mahomes. And I'd be curious because where you think he's going to be at. But this all comes back to where I'm thinking, okay, I'm not really believing that much about Mahomes and where he's at. Like, I, I'm just choosing to think that there's still going to be some problems, um, which is why I like the Buffalo side. But that's also why I think at the end of the day, there's probably going to be plenty of angles here that Kansas City just says, you know what? You know, they know full well about Mahomes' status, and they kind of, again, keep it under wraps. And for that reason, I think, come with a little bit more of a conservative game plan, and they haven't been able to run the ball much. I, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just gets enough carries to get over his rushing prop. So I think that's probably – I'm curious where the number lands because they have not really been running the ball well, and I know Clyde was hurt and Le'Veon looks washed. Um but they didn't have Edwards Elair last week. And as I said, now there's uncertainty about Mahomes and how healthy he is. I'm expecting to get a decent number on Clyde Edwards Elair rushing yards. And so I think I'm going to go over there. I think that's a good look. In the injury report, they did say Mahomes was also dealing with, a, I think, an ankle injury. So I think that leans more to a rushing attack. Do you think that would lean more to the under because I'm looking at the first half over I see the Bills they rank third in the NFL in first half points per game they score 15.7 points per game in the first half and then the Chiefs are fourth in first half points per game with 15.4 I think the first half over is a good look at 26.5 but if they're running the ball a lot, like you're saying, with Mahomes a little hobbled, that might lend to the under. Yeah, I think this is going to be another total that I probably stay away from. I just don't know how you can feel confident about it not knowing. You know, I, I might – I think you're right in the sense that, like, Buffalo, we know that, you know, Brashad Breland, too, if, if he's a little dinged up, we know that Buffalo can really hit you with some big plays through the air. Uh, but it's hard for me to know. Like, I can't bet Kansas City here, and I don't think I can bet the over here with, uh, again, I, I, the Mahomes thing is really weirding me out, maybe a little more so than most. Uh, but, again, that's why I think Edward D. Lair rushing over makes sense. 
and, and again, it's why I think Buffalo wins the game. I just think they're the better team right now. And, um, you know, I, I kind of felt that way. Like, Alex, by the way, this is another regular season rematch. Like, we talked about how the Green Bay-Tampa regular season game was back in October, and we're not really looking at it much. Kind of feel that way right now about Buffalo and Kansas City because that was when, remember, Allen went through a little bit of a cold spell there in, in October where, you know, they kind of limped through a game against the Jets, very unimpressive. I think they won 18-10 or something like that at MetLife. You know, and then and then shortly thereafter, they had a, it was a Monday game at like 5 o'clock local time in Buffalo, and you know, the weather sucked, and, I, you know, I just kind of throw that one out too. And, yeah, uh, I would I would honestly throw that out more than even the the Tampa first. Rebate. Yeah, just just the fact that that game kept getting pushed and pushed, and they got pushed to Tuesday early evening, and that's just got to be so weird for them preparing. Yeah, I would throw that game out even more, and we saw Chiefs didn't even win that in convincing fashion either. Right, exactly, and I had the Chiefs in that game, and that was one that they did cover. But it certainly got interesting down the stretch. So some agreement on both sides. I don't know if that's good or bad, Alex, but we both like Green Bay and we both like Buffalo. <laughs> I don't know if it's good either. I'm looking at the, the splits right now. I'm seeing 54% of money on the Bills plus three and 60% of – or 54% of bets, sorry, and 60% of money on the Bills. So we're stepping on – both the public plays here this week. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't well, feel great about it, but percentage is aligned with the ticket percentage. Then that makes me a little better that there's not any sharp coin coming on Kansas City. Maybe there will be when somebody figures something out about Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, I think. I think this number could potentially get bet up right before kick. Right. I think yeah. right is right as Mahomes gets announce that the public's going to come in. you got to bet the Chiefs at that number, right? Knowing that's Mahomes, great, I think. Right. It, if, if yeah. You, I mean, you get so Mahomes at home. Like, so I'll be honest. Like, if if we do well in the NFC game and then we do see, like, a three-and-a-half pop, does that make you want to, you know, double dip on Buffalo? That's tough because I'm already on that Super Bowl ticket. Super but ticket, right. Yeah. yeah. It, I, and you're I'd on, probably, you're on three? Yeah, I'm on three as well. So, <laughs> yeah, I if I get three in the hook, down there. I'm just, I'm just in deep at that point. But being the degenerate that I am, yeah, if I see that three in the hook, <laughs> I was saying, if the NFC game goes your way, then exactly, then I have a lot more, <laughs> yeah, a lot more incentive to go take that three in the hook. Last point before we get out, kind of snuck up on me, but. You know, if Tampa wins, it's a home Super Bowl in two weeks. That's incredible. I think I heard today that that would be the first time ever a Super Bowl oh. team at home. Well, right, because remember who almost got there just a few years ago. You know where I'm going with this? Was it Minnesota? That's right. And they got yeah. their doors kicked off by them, by the Eagles, <laughs> at Lincoln <laughs> Field, which was really yeah, they- me being an Eagles fan out here in Minnesota. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with that one and ruining the home Super Bowl. And then I went down to Minneapolis for the Super Bowl weekend. I didn't have it in me to blow three grand. Probably should have, given I have no clue oh when God. I'm going to be back in the Super Bowl. But Because I was looking on StubHub. But, like, 
woke up and checked, and it was still like twenty eight hundred, three grand to get in. So, well, how do you feel about this this new hire? You know, I think it's just right from the Jeff Laurie, Howie Roseman mold. I put a tweet out today on my personal account at G underscore Frank six. A little bit of a shameless plug there, but nonetheless, um, I, you know, I think it certainly is a sign. By the way, because they have shown a willingness to go with the off the beaten path a little with their coaching hires. Nobody really knew who Andy Reid was before the Eagles found him. Nobody really was looking at Doug Peterson before they hired him. And the guy in between, Chip Kelly, was the hot name, right, who was getting a lot of NFL talk from other teams. And I, the year before, I believe, when Tampa Bay ended up hiring Greg Schiano, Chip was a hot candidate for that job and ended up backing out. So they went with him, and he had a good first couple seasons, and then he challenged them as far as personnel control, made a power play, won that power move, but obviously did not do a good job running the personnel department for the Eagles and got the pink slip the year after he got that, you know, personnel control. So then they go with Doug and obviously he's another guy off the grid and uh, it worked out. They won a Super Bowl. So I can't sit here. I know there's going to be people that are like, Oh, who the hell is this guy? I can't sit here and say that. Like, I can't like that. That was me when they hired Doug. I was like, you kidding me? Like, this is who you hire. Like, the guy's got no head coaching experience besides coaching in high school, and he's barely even been the offensive coordinator in Kansas City that long, you know? So, you know, we're going to go with him. It just – it raised my eyebrows, and it worked out. Um, so it seems like the power structure with the Eagles is owner and GM don't want to be challenged, and therefore they're going to hire somebody that has probably their only chance in their life at the current time to be an NFL head coach, like stuff was coming out about Brian Dable not wanting the job. That didn't surprise me because he's going to be a guy that we're going to hear about next year, assuming he's not the guy for the Texans who are now the only opening, right? Like if you're Dable, if you're Lincoln Riley, if you're Enemy, whoever the hot name is, like you can be picky here, right? Because your name's going to keep coming up. Like Nick Sirianni, I, we might not hear that name. He might be fired by the Eagles in three years and never be coaching as a head coach again, you know? So that just seems like the kind of guy – that the Eagles seem to go for. Last thing I'll say, I think at 100%, well, not 100%, but pretty high percentage, this means that they are committed to rebuilding Carson Wentz because we know who the head coach is in Indianapolis, What that being Frank Reich, and we know he was the Eagles' offensive coordinator when Wentz was having his MVP season before he blew his knee out. So something tells me that there were some things going on there between Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni talking about Carson Wentz that made Sirianni feel confident that he could turn around Wentz, and you know what? The owner, Jeffrey Lurie, he's the one that made the investment the investment in Wentz. So it's easy for me to say, you know what, it's time to turn the page and go with Jalen Hurts, but it's a little harder for Jeff Lurie, who cut him the big check, to say that. So I don't agree with it. I would move on still and go with Hurts, but I think this hire is a definite indicator that Carson Wentz is the Eagles quarterback opening day 2021. Wow. It'll be interesting to see if some offshore markets have that prop up. Eagles starting yeah. quarterback week one. Well, and Alex, like, I mean, I know your Steelers just picked up Dwayne Haskins, but Super Bowl. I <laughs> I have to think, like, if you're fully committed to rebuilding Carson Wentz, then you're trading Jalen Hurts this offseason. You have to, right? Because he, I and mean, his stock needs, couldn't be higher. That really needs another draft pick in the top sixty picks because you're just so old. 
and a worn down roster. You got to turn this thing over. And, and so, in addition to the mental benefits that it can have with getting you know Wentz recovered and getting Hurts out, I just think you know they're probably not going to be that good anyway. So get could another draft pick. A, could they pull a Donovan McDab trade and trade him within his division? Hurts to the Washington Football Team. The Football I'm Team. Sure. Look at that. I didn't even think of that one. I'm that sure would be they wouldn't. Cool. I'm sure they wouldn't hate that. I yeah. Love They'd probably love it in D.C., right? I mean, yeah. No, I didn't even think about that. It'll be interesting with the quarterback movement in the offseason. It's always more fun, right? I mean, go back to when Kirk Cousins hits the free agent market, and that was just Kirk Cousins. You know, we had Tom Brady on the free agent market. The Dak Prescott saga is going to continue with the Cowboys. Um, it's always fun when it kind of feels like a little NBA-ish when you have the big quarterback stuff. Deshaun Watson, obviously. I mean, that's crazy, right? Like, Yeah, like I, I love it. You'd- and uh, you know the Colts are going to be looking for someone, but looking for Houston, somebody, right? Houston can't trade Deshaun Watson within the division, right? There's no way. Yeah, I mean, sounds like the Jets are the hot name there, right? Because they're loaded with picks and, you know, Dolphins as well. But are they going to give up on Tua that quickly? That's a good question. We saw Arizona do it, and it's worked well with it's Kyler. Well, right, exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I know you make, and that's why I don't like what the Eagles are doing going back to Wentz. You make these big-time decisions, right, top 10 draft picks, big contracts, and you don't want to accept that you might have screwed it up, right, and you might have been wrong. That's what Arizona did, and I know that they faltered down the stretch, but clearly, as far as that single position at quarterback, they got it right in making the decision to move on from, from Josh Rosen. Something tells me that, you know, if you can't cut the cord and say, and own your mistakes and say that we're wrong, you're not getting anywhere in the NFL or in any sport for that matter. So, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is not not a mistake. We saw this guy was an MVP before. Oh, he you think he can be rebuilt? Oh, absolutely. I'm a. I guess I'm a Carson Wentz truther. I, I was going to say, sounds like a Steeler fan that maybe had some hopes oh. of him going to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I would have loved it. Yeah, I, I like Carson Wentz. I I think uh, the disconnect there was between Wentz and Peterson. I Saw okay. something come out that Wentz was kind of changing up the play calls, so that yeah, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Well, hey, if that's the case, I mean, hey, if, especially if Hertz is traded, if there's no Hertz and there's no Peterson, it's all on you, Carson Wentz. So let's see it. <laughs> yeah, best of luck, Alex. Always fun. Let's enjoy Championship Weekend. Yeah, buddy. Good to talk to you. Always a pleasure. Find him on Twitter at Alex underscore up seven and managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. My name is Greg Frank. Follow me on gambling Twitter at undercover Greg. This has been full slate a blue wire gambling podcast. Everyone enjoy your weekend. Just three more football games left. And of course, please play responsibly.